You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. That testimony by Brian Baggs, you know, you hear that about how God spoke to him and he followed it through. God showed up that way. I mean, I love that. I love that story because it reminds me that regardless of where we are in life, God's desire is, or what he, he is always just looking for opportunities to bump into us. To bump into us, to bring us life, and to bring his love, to bring his forgiveness, to bring his freedom. And, uh, and, that, and, and that is for each one of us. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be leading us on a journey uh, into talking about some of the some of the things that are difficult to talk about when it comes to following Jesus and being a Christian. And and at the root of a lot of that is um, a feeling of desperation that many of us have, a feeling of loneliness that many of us have, a feeling of isolation, a feeling of being left out. To some of you, it might be, you might be single, struggling with that. And uh, I know that it's easy um, to look at kind of my life, and I think I have an amazing life. I'm very blessed. I have a wife that loves me. I have four healthy kids. I'm in a job and a church that I love. Um, and yet, I know some of you um, struggle with isolation and loneliness. And I know some of you, uh, and, and that, that brings and makes you feel like, and, and makes you ask the question, well, how, how am I going to deal with that? Like, what does that really look like practically in my life? If I'm a single person, I want to be married, but I'm not married. And I feel lonely, I feel sad, I feel desperate. You know, if you have a husband that's away on deployment, you know, you hear that story of the wounded warrior. You know, I just look across and see uh, Michelle, just like, how do we cope and deal with life situations when we feel like we're alone, when we're by ourselves? You know, I can't imagine being a 15 or 16 or 17-year-old boy with the internet and the opportunities of, uh, to look at pornography and to be, feel the shame and the separation and the burden and the guilt that comes along with that. I went through those years whenever uh, none of that existed and it was difficult. And I can't imagine how hard that is, but, but Jesus has an answer for that. And in the same way, in a culture that's shifting and that's constantly pushing us and turning us and wooing us about our sexuality, who we are, who we aren't, who we should be, who we can be. What is Jesus' response to us? What is the hope that he offers us? And so for the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about some of the struggles that we might face as a single person, some of the struggles we might face as a young person or an older person who struggles with lust and pornography or addiction in that area. We're going to talk to, what does it mean to be single with same-sex attraction and single with heterosex attraction? Like, what is that? What are the solutions that Jesus has for us? Is the gospel real? Is the gospel big enough? Can Jesus really handle what my life is really like? But before we get to that, before we get to the specifics of those things, what you need to know is this. You have to trust him, and you, if you trust him, then you have to trust his word. And if you don't trust Jesus, 
then you get to be your own God, like David said last week. Remember David, a great talk last week about the figurehead queen, and then the real power lies within the government and the, you know, the polity of, of England. And the same thing is true for us. We can say, we can sing, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, when all the time in our life we're living in a way that doesn't reflect that we exalt him, but reflects we exalt me. That I want to be my God. And David defined freedom last week as, as that nobody gets to tell me what to do. And if that's our attitude, then we are God. Right? And then David gave us that beautiful picture of him falling over in the bin. Which I just, I, I, you know, I, haven't, I believe that when we get to heaven, we get to see things like that. Like, there are fish that I lost. That I, I mean, like big fish that got off the line. I'm like, I'm going to know what that fish was like in heaven. Horn knows, he knows, I know. Or like the deer you shot and, and just kept running and running and running and you looked and looked and looked. And you'll, you'll know what that deer is in heaven. And we'll all get to see David falling over. We will see that. I don't know how that will happen, but I look forward to the day of seeing when David toppled over with recycling stuff all over him. And he asks us the question, who do I trust to lead my life? Who do I trust to have the answers to these desires that I have? These desires that seem unfair, these desires that seem that the world has told me are okay to have and to pursue this way, the desires that I have to be loved and to give love, like who, who am I going to trust with these answers of being single and being lonely and being isolated? Like where am I going to go with these things? Am I going to go to that guy? Am I going to go to myself? Am I going to be the God who decides what those things are in life for me, what my life should look like and where I'll find life? Or am I going to trust God? And so today I want to talk about why we should trust Jesus, and if we trust Jesus, why we should trust his word. Because those, if we follow Jesus, and we say that he's our Lord, we say that he's our king, we have to trust him then, and if we trust him, we then have to trust his words for life, and where life is found. Now having said that, I know that over the next few weeks, I'm going to say things that you're going to potentially disagree with, and that you might even get angry with me about it. And I will tell you this, the, the, the ideal place for us to have this conversation that we're going to have the next three or four weeks is not in this environment. The ideal, and it's not on Facebook, let's be honest. It's not on Facebook. And so I invite you, if you disagree with me, if you're angry with me, not to stage rush, jump over the drums and take me out, okay? Let's just agree right now that we're not going to do that as a family, but I welcome you to come and talk to me about it. I welcome you to come and talk to our staff about it. I welcome you to come and talk to our elders about it. Again, because what we're doing is the best that we can to understand what Jesus' plan for our life is and what the Bible teaches us about that plan. We believe that the word of God is the foundation for how those decisions are made. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to try to teach us those truths in love but some of the truths that I will teach, I will tell you, are going to be hard. They're going to be uncomfortable. But hopefully you know that I love you enough, as does the leadership of the church, to be honest with you about what Scripture does teach. Because we believe it leads to life. We believe it leads to the best life possible. We believe it leads to life to the full. That's what we believe. And so that's what we're going to teach. We're going to do it the best that we can and love um, when I was in Israel a few years ago, I know, listen to him, finally, I'm preaching on Israel right now. This is going to happen. Um, 
I was in Israel a few years ago with Tim and Liz and a group of folks, and it was amazing. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should make an effort at some point in your life to get there. It was amazing. But anyway, um, we were at this, at this look, and there's all these historic sites. Well, we were at the historic site where apparently Jesus was baptized, okay? And, and so, and, and it's, a, it's like, it's where, this, it's where the Jordan gets very small, and um, it's very muddy, and just over the line are the enemies. I don't know who the enemies are right now, right, over, that, over that, like, little 10-foot stream, but the enemies are over there, and they have guards out, and they're, like, with, with uh, machine guns and stuff, and we're, like, just on the other side, and everyone's kind of living and happy, or whatever, and so, like, and there's tourists, like, getting baptized in this water, and it's awesome, and, and, and awkward at the same time, and, uh, and, and so, and then I noticed, like, off to the side, there's this fence, right? And I'm like, oh, what's, what's by the fence? What's the, what, what, why is there a fence up? And so I, like, I wander over, I kind of go out of the way, and I wander up, and there's a lot of beautiful touristy things going on over here. I'm like, not interested, let's go see what's at the fence, <laughs> right? It's like, wonder what's a fence, and sure enough, oh yeah, there's a fence there, because apparently there are landmines out beyond the fence, and there's this fence, uh, like a sign you had never seen in the United States or, 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 or most countries that say, do not go beyond this point, there are landmines to that effect. And I think that it's a picture of a landmine and like a person that says, do not, like a person walking, says, do not walk landmines or, or something like that. And I took a picture of it, I couldn't find it. And, and there's this fence and it's protecting, it's, it's, it's telling you, don't go here. If you do, you will die. You will, and if you don't die, you will be maimed because there are landmines. Landmines bad. Stay with the tourists where it's good. Okay. Now, I could have jumped. I wanted. I didn't see any landmines, and that's why I think there needs to be a fence because if the fence wasn't there, you would not see the landmines. And I just was kind of wondering, oh, this is probably, they're probably going to have some construction here. They just don't want people to walk. They probably do these signs like we do like Bob's Barricades, right? Landmines, do not approach. Well, that's a lot more effective. Bob's Barricade, we just move and we kind of walk on through or whatever, right? This is the deterrent. Because you're kind of like, I don't see any landmines. It doesn't look dangerous. It looks like the rest of like everything around me. Certainly, it can't be that harmful. Right? There were freaking landmines under the ground. I was thinking this in my head like, yeah, I bet there's really not landmines. I bet this is just like a poet, you know? God's plan for our life, that's what it's like. It's like there are landmines on this side of heaven. There are things in this world, things in our life that the enemy has come, he has planted them there, he has positioned them there, and just the right place where we're going to step, at just the right time, he knows us, he sees us, and he's trying to kill us. He's trying to kill us, he's trying to take us out, and he has planted these minds in our life with opportunity, and he said, come this way, come this way. Come over here, that you'll be fine. And God has said, no, no, no. Because I love you, because I cherish you, because you're my son or my daughter, I have created this boundary in my word that I want you to obey. And if you obey this boundary, you'll find life. And I'll protect you from the enemy and his schemes and where death is. And we believe that about God because he is a good father. 
He's a loving father. He's a caring father. And he wants what's best for us. And yet, what happens when we see the boundary? What do we do? Oh, yeah. I could jump that boundary. Is there, is there, is the tree of good, is that, is that fruit really bad? I mean, it looks good to eat. Where have we heard that before? Right? I mean, can't we just have sex kind of with who we want, when we want, and how we want? I mean, why is that so bad? It feels so right, right? Yet there's a boundary. But in order to follow through and to trust God's boundaries, we first have to trust Jesus. And we should trust, I can't see my page. And we should trust Jesus. Why should we trust Jesus? Why should we trust? Well, because he loves us. Good answer. Great answer. I know that's what you're thinking. That's the right answer. But we should trust him specifically in Hebrews. It says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, every sin, which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus. So we're in this race Right over here was saying, we need to look to Jesus. Why should we look to Jesus? Why should we trust Jesus? Because he is the founder of who we are. So he's, he's our creator. He made us. He knows us. He knows how we tick, how we talk. He knows what gives us life. He knows everything about us. He has built us. He knows us. He is the founder of us. Okay? And... The perfecter, well, go back. And the perfecter of our faith. Keep going. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So it talks about his power and his awesomeness. We should trust him because of that. But he's the founder, the author of, of who we are, and he's the perfecter. So not only has he created us, I knew you before you were. Before the creation of the world, I knew who you were. I knew you by name. I knit you together in your mother's womb, right? So he knew us. He knows us. He created us. He knows everything about us. He know, the desires that we have, he gave us. He gave us those desires and this, the, the love that he has for us, right? He created us. He knows us. But he also knows how to perfect us. He knows how to give us life in a way that will lead to more life, that will lead to abundant life, that will lead to life to the full. And he is the only one who knows that. So the first thing, why do we trust Jesus with our life? Like, why is he worthy of our trust? Because he created us and he knows how to make us better. Not better in a moral sense, but give us more life, perfect us. He knows how to perfect us. So we should trust him with that. We trust Jesus. Okay, I just said that. But we also trust him. The other reason we trust him as his children is because he purchased us with his blood. He bought us. There's all kinds of implications from this one. If we trust Jesus, if we belong to Jesus, that he's rescued us from sin and death. He saved our life, literally, from hell for eternity. And so, yes, that demonstrates his love for us, but scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says this, or do you not know 
that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. You don't, if you belong to Jesus, then you don't belong to you. If you belong to Jesus, there is one king. You cannot continue to act like your life is your own in any area of your life. Now this is, I know that what I'm saying is difficult. And the journey with Jesus is one that, it it takes time. And I'm gonna talk more about that in the next few weeks. Like how does this really work itself out? I'm just laying the foundation for why we should trust Jesus and then why we should trust his words. And so we have Paul telling the Corinthian church, you don't belong to yourself anymore. So we trust Jesus because, yeah, he's created you. Yes, he knows what's best for you. But guess what, gang? You don't, he died for you. He bought you. You don't, you don't have rights anymore in terms of your rights. They belong to him. He gets to decide what your life looks like because he purchased you, because he loves you. Will you trust him? I mean, imagine this. Imagine me and you are walking down the side of the road and I have my, one of my children with me. And let's just say it's Grace, okay? And Grace is walking with me down the side of the road with you. And there comes a car. And it's like cray-cray, crazy driving car. And they're coming at us full bore ahead and I have to make a decision. They're getting ready to kill you or they're getting ready to kill Grace. And I take Grace, and, and I, I take you instead of Grace, and I throw you out of the way, and then Grace is killed, my daughter. Like, how would you feel if that happened to you? If, if that was a real story, you would feel indebted to me, wouldn't you? You would say, I'm alive because of Grace. I'm alive because of grace. I'm also alive because you chose me over grace, right? And there would be an indebtedness that you would feel towards me for the rest of your life because I saved your life and it cost me something very precious, right? Well, that's what's happening with the father. The father loves you so much that he sent his one and only son so that you would be saved, He saved you at the expense of his son. That's how much he loves you. That's how precious to you. But but, but you have been purchased. You are not your own. And so when we start talking about these areas of our life that are struggled, these areas of our life that are hard, these areas of our life where we feel loneliness or we feel despair or we feel like life isn't fair, what wasn't fair was that Jesus Christ, who was perfect, was sacrificed for you who were imperfect. That's what's not fair. The gospel isn't fair. The gospel, I tell my kids, life isn't fair. The fair is something that comes around once a year that you go buy tickets to and you ride rides. But it's not life. It's not life. But it's so important that we allow scripture, that we allow God to dictate what is true because our feelings will betray us. Right? We live in a culture now where our feelings will betray us. We allow how we feel to determine what the truth is. And that's hard as believers. Why? Because as believers, it says that God's taken our heart of stone. He's given us a heart of flesh. The spirit lives inside of there and he leads us with our heart. And so at times there are heart 
There are times where our heart can be trusted, but there are times where our feelings can deceive us. And so as a Christian, if this is true, how much more is it true of someone who doesn't have a transformed heart? Is there any wonder that the world is living the way that the world is? It's being deceived the way that the world is being deceived in different areas of culture or whatever. It's because they don't have a new heart. But even as a believer who has a new heart, we know at any given time that our heart can respond to the Spirit and be led by the Spirit as we're being led by the Spirit. But we also have to be grounded in the Word of God. First Thessalonians 5 talks about as we hear from the Spirit, as the things of the Spirit come, we're to weigh them against the Word of God. Why? Because the enemy is constantly telling us, jump the fence. There aren't any landmines there. It looks like everything else. Go for it. You're a risk taker. You're an adventurer. Just jump the fence. It'll be fine. Right? He's constantly whispering lies to us. He's constantly trying to deceive us. He's constantly trying to kill us. He's constantly trying to give it, get us to live outside of God's boundaries, believing that we have the right or that life isn't fair. You should be able to do this. All the while, just trying to kill us, trying to destroy us, trying to steal life from us. And so we have, at any given time, back to this point, we have our heart that is good being led by the Spirit. We have the enemy speaking lies to us that we're trying to discern which is which. And we have our own fleshly desires that are also confusing us. It's why we have to be grounded in God's Word and trusting Jesus. But just, I want to finish my first point. And so, the first step in knowing and experiencing the life that God has for us in a, in a world that is crazy is, is, is trusting that, yes, Jesus is the Lord of my life. He has purchased me. I belong to him. He is good and he is a loving father, yes. But also, he created me and he knows me and he knows where life is to be found. Those are great reasons to trust Jesus, right? They're all biblical reasons to trust Jesus. They're all reasons that we need to trust Jesus, when it comes to these harder teachings. And again, this is a process. And if we trust Jesus, we need to trust his word, the Bible, the roadmap for what this journey looks like in our life. Not culture, not the world, not what we feel is fair. Remember what David said last week, he says, we belong to another kingdom. We are resident aliens. We belong to another kingdom that has another king who's sitting on his throne whose desire is to lead us, to protect us, to watch over us, and to love us, that has only good things for us. And we belong to that kingdom, not this kingdom, not this world. And the, where, the place that we learn what that kingdom is like is in the Bible. Is in the Bible. It says this in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts of intention and intentions of the heart. The word of God is living and active. There's, I mean, there's tons of scripture that I could go to that talk about that it's good for teaching, it's good for reproof, it's good for measuring our life against. It's important that it's the foundation of our life. There's tons of, of scripture but here we see in Hebrews it says it is, it is active, it's alive, it's sharper, it cuts into, it leads us into places we normally wouldn't go. We would normally choose to live in a different way. 
before the service today, you know, when we, when we hear that, we hear that, it's just like, ooh, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I want to read the Bible. That doesn't sound friendly to me. That sounds painful to me. And it is painful sometimes. When, you know, David said, you know, last week he said, he said something to effect of, um, we don't like to have other people. God, because he loves us, will tell us things that we don't always want to hear. Wasn't that what he said? Something like that. Something like that. There are times where God will tell us things that we don't want him to tell us, but he does because he loves us. And we tend to shy away from that because we know that it might be painful. It might cost us a sacrifice. It might cost us a surrender. David's word last week is he will call us to yield to him. And, and in pre-service prayer this morning, we had a great picture of what I think it's really like. Because I think that some of this is difficult to get our hands around because we read a scripture like that and like sword, pierce, flesh, marrow, no thanks, Right? Just I'll leave my Bible closed, you know? But the picture was this. It was a picture of Jesus with a candle. And he was walking into the dark caverns of our heart. And it was like this gentle movement of Jesus with this candle moving into rooms or places in our heart that are dark, that are broken, where we find unrest, weariness, where we've lost, or we, it's been taken by the enemy. And this picture was of Jesus just walking into these areas of our heart, illuminating them with this candlelight, and allowing the warmth of his love, the beauty of his love, his heart and his desire to bring transformation and truth to these areas that we believe lies. That's what the word of God does. We open the word of God, we read the word of God as the foundation in life, and we read something, and, and there's sometimes we're like, oh man, I haven't seen that before. Or That's, that convicts me, I didn't, I didn't believe that before. And we begin this relation, this, this dialogue with Jesus about show me that, help me understand that, walk with me in that. And we know that he loves us, and that's the picture of what I think it's like as we hear these truths that are countercultural, that are hard, that sometimes don't make sense to us. It's Jesus with us walking to those parts of our misunderstanding, the parts where we've been lied to, where we've been hurt, or we've been wounded, and shedding his light, his warm love, and, and, and an effort to bring us freedom, and an effort to bring us life to the full. This is a little more clear about the power and the importance of the word of God. It says this in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood or womanhood, you could have there. To mature manhood and womanhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and from by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
if I had to identify what it feels like in our culture today, it would be that picture of deceitful doctrine, of cunningness, of confusion, of chaos, being washed around, being told us, well, this is the truth. This is the new truth. This is what's fair. This is not fair. This is the way it should be. This is the way it is. This is this. This is that. This is that. And we are just in this hodgepodge. It's like this washing machine of truths, half-truths, and just flat-out lies about who we are and who God is. And when Paul writes this, he says to us, his desire is that all of us, every single one of us, would grow up into the maturity of manhood and womanhood in Christ. That we would, be, be, we would be becoming more and more like Jesus. And less and less like children. What are children like? What are children like? They are driven by their feelings. They are driven by their emotions. It says their rational mind isn't developed until they're 25 years old. For the love of St. Christopher, Lord, why did you wait so long? Come on. And Laura's like, Antley, yours is still developing, I think, you know. (laughs) Why did you wait so long? But, But that's what we're like. When we allow our emotions, when we allow our feelings, when we allow things other than the truth, than the word of God to determine what the truth is, we're acting like children. Well, that's not fair. She got two cookies, I got one. Well, you just had a soda. That's not fair. That's how children act. And we try to like, we try to like rationalize with them. Like, no, 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 honey. Well, there's this many grams of sugar in a Coke. And we try to talk to them about it. We try to give them the truth. And they're not having it. They're not having it. They're like, I don't care. Uh-uh. Eat one piece of broccoli and then you can have this 10-pound banana sundae. Just quit crying. Please just eat a piece of broccoli. No. It's just one piece doesn't matter. I'm not eating the broccoli. I know I have a 10-pound banana split. That's what children are like. And that's the picture that Paul is painting here. When we are young in Christ, we, we, you know, it is, we, there are emotions in our relationship with God. We are drawn into the fellowship of the kingdom through our emotions. And in worship, when we experience God in, with, in, in our emotions, it's a good thing. But we are called to be grounded in the truth, in rational thought about what the truth and the word of God says, Right? To be grounded in that, to be founded in that, for that to be our foundation so then we can grow up and act like adults. I mean, what if you bumped into homeboy adult who was just like eating like sugar all the time and candy all the time and was had a bad diet and their teeth had fallen out? You'd be like, why are you acting like a child? You know? And there's nothing wrong with being a child when you're an adult. I like being a child when I'm, I mean, I'm kind of like that a little bit, Right? But the journey that God calls us into and on is a journey into mature manhood, mature womanhood. And the journey involves being grounded in the truth. The truth. The truth. Not our emotions. Not our feelings. Grounded in the truth, but communicated in love. And because the church for years and years and years have not loved well, 
we've stopped being afraid to tell the truth. And so as River City Church, one of the things that we're trying to do, that we're going to do over the next few weeks, is we are going to tell you what we believe the truth is, what God says the truth is in his word about some difficult areas, some boundaries that he has created for us to live life and to find life. But we are committed, I am committed, for you to hear that truth in love. Because I do. We do. The leadership of the church, we love you too much to not tell you the truth. And not just tell you the truth, but walk with you in the truth. I was talking to my oldest son, Chase, and he has just got this great, warm, big heart for people. And he says to me, Dad, it doesn't matter that you say that you're telling them the truth if they don't feel I mean, I mean, that you say that you love them. If they don't feel loved by you, then you've missed the mark. And so our goal isn't just to say, well, because it's the truth, I'm going to say it, and that's loving. What I'm going to say, what we're going for is this, that you feel loved, that you leave, regardless of how hard the truth is, regardless of how countercultural it is, that you leave having experienced and having felt God's love knowing that God loves you, knowing that we love you, knowing that the church loves you, is with you, and is gonna walk with you as you allow Jesus through the power of the Spirit to work out this truth in your life, for you to experience truth. My encouragement is this, over the next few weeks, that you would choose to stay and be a part of this conversation with your, with your family, with your church family, whether you agree or disagree, that you would choose to stay and engage Allow God's love to penetrate your heart. Allow God to bump into you over the next three or four weeks to create some boundaries that would lead to new life, that would lead to you becoming more mature in your faith. I promise our effort is for you to hear the truth, but for you to know and experience God's love along the way. Let's stand.